Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Joining me on this edition of the Arantia Radio Podcast. It's good to have you here. And we're going to be joined by Dr. Jenny Martin, PhD out of Seattle. She did a terrific uh, segment at the recent scientific symposium that was sponsored by the Arantia Foundation. And in the, her presentation, she talks a lot about the energy of the mind and uh, what are chakras and what are auras and how do we emit energy, living energy, and how all that ties in to the thought adjuster. So that'll be the subject of what we talk about, but we're going to talk about a whole lot of different things too. So Jenny Martin, our guest this time up on the Arantia Radio Podcast. What do you do for a living and how did you come into the contact of the the Arantia book? Well, what I do for a living, my uh, degree is in psychology. I have a doctorate in psychology. I don't do traditional psychotherapy, um, basically because I have found that more of a spiritual approach is more helpful. And so even though I don't talk about the Arantia book when I'm with uh, clients, it does uh, filter in. You know, what I feel my most important job when I'm sitting there on Zoom, looking face-to-face with the client, no matter where they are in the world, yeah. is I, I, am holding the, I am holding the understanding that they have divinity within them. And I'm holding that recognition. So no matter how they're falling apart, I'm holding that and bringing them back to instances when they talk that they can see that too. And that's what creates transformation. It's funny that you say mm-hmm. that because I've always thought that psychiatry today, uh, the way that they look at the brain and the way the Arantia book and the revelators describe the mind are two completely divergent perspectives. Uh, in the sense mm-hmm. that, obviously, modern science doesn't really take into account spirituality. In fact, I think they kind of they chased it off in psychiatry. They, uh, uh, at least some of the more traditional Freudian, you know, young types. Uh, but it does seem like psychiatry does not give a lot of credit to the spiritual aspect of a person's personality. Why? Why is that? Do you know? Well, I haven't been trained in psychiatry. The um, people that have been trained in psychology go on a become a medical doctor first, and then their focus mainly is using pharmaceuticals for the most part. It's not so much interpersonal counseling. Um, I, I, I that could be a really long conversation. Yeah, right. But yeah. what I will say is this: there's a lot of funding right now from the Federal Drug Administration being put into medicines that are based on plants 
uh, they're called plant medicines. Another word is psychedelic. And they're used in a therapeutic setting, and there's been a lot of research in universities. What's very interesting is people are getting over depression, anxiety, addiction at astounding rates. And what is correlated with that recovery is whether they had a mystical experience during the use of the uh, plant medicine. And so people are, you know, they can be atheists, they can be, it doesn't matter, but they are having a direct experience because we have this capability to experience these higher dimensions that most people haven't attuned themselves to this. But under the influence of this substance, which by the way is not addictive, but it's only used under very controlled circumstances, people are having these experiences and when what it has shown is that when people glimpse at a first-hand experience the mystical, they see themselves differently and they are able to shed their story of, I'm a depressed person, I'm an anxious person. It really is quite astounding. Now, the problem is there's a rebound effect after six months a year, what they've been finding is people are, they find themselves kind of at a questioning period because what they experienced during those times with the clinician when they're taking the medicine, they're not able to integrate that without teaching. This is why we need the mm -hmm. but this is why we need teaching mm -hmm. because it feels so foreign. What people are experiencing, the most potent is called dimethyltryptamine. It actually resides within the human body, but people that aren't able to get into that meditative state or haven't learned that they can on their own, they're um, going to a clinician and getting this uh, a prescription for this uh, medicine. And what they describe is it being more real than this reality and feeling a sense of unconditional love, interacting with intelligent life that mm -hmm. is non-human, mm -hmm. and feeling like they're connected to everything. They're no longer a separate human. So they're having a glimpse during this experience, and this is what changes their mental health, but the issue becomes that even though they're pouring millions of dollars into psychedelics, it's, it's being suggested that this is the future of mental health, but they're losing the point that what doesn't get talked about in the literature enough is what's really healing the people. What's healing the people is they have a glimpse of the mystical. When people get their souls restored that, yes, I'm not just this separated human cut off from something higher. I am a part of a bigger universe. When they get that realization, it shifts them. People talk about the experience of being as significant as the birth of a child as a death of a loved one, but they need to be able to find ways to sustain that knowledge, to sustain that experience ongoing, because as I said, it doesn't get talked about enough in all of this wonderful research, all of these wonderful outcomes, is that there's a rebound effect after a period of time. People don't know what to do. How do I integrate this into normal life that feels so different? Where is this unconditional love that I experienced over there? Where is this That's feeling of interconnectedness? Mm. How come I can't feel that every day? Right. Well, this is why you, you need a guide of, okay, there's a bigger reality. We do have a thought adjuster. You know, we're here to be able to uh, grow and evolve spiritually. So, anyway. Well, you know, you've touched on like a, a million different things there. But at the top of the list, it kind of reminds me a little bit 
I, I read recently about this man who had a he he had legitimately had died on the table in the hospital, and he had a out of life body experience, and he was an atheist, and he the way he described everything that you just said about seeing that that mystical experience and uh, going somewhere and seeing that there are others there and that there's love and uh, just having that experience almost touching that and he said it changed his life and he doesn't doubt at all that it happened uh, he was clearly dead uh, but then he came back and his life was forever changed so it's kind of that same thing and 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 that kind of brings me to the subject of the thought adjuster because just to kind of prepare for the interview, as I'm reading the first paper in the book, and there's four chapters in the Urantia book that are dedicated to the thought adjuster, and the very first few sentences, I, as I'm reading them, I'm feeling so good. It's like I'm pouring goodness into my brain. You know, it's the words mm-hmm. are just flying off the page, and I'm absorbing every every word is just like chocolate you know and Mm -hmm. i just loved it so much and i hadn't read that and i kind of felt like i was having a little bit of a mystical experience reading these Mm -hmm. words and the way that they and you know what i'm talking about because you're a your ancient book reader that happens a lot when you read the book you just it's just it's Mm -hmm. it wasn't always that way a lot of times it was over overwhelming especially in the early days you know i'd have Uh to stop yeah right i have to stop right oh my god i gotta take time to absorb this and then walk around for three days thinking about it, but uh, that's what the thought adjuster I think is sort of a is sort of a path to to see that because you're looking at that fragment of God, right? That's a keyhole into the other side, and and it's right in your mind, and it's amazing. Yeah, for some reason I just uh, was listening to the truth and beauty section before we had our call, mm-hmm. and uh, it was talking about coherence and. Uh, the fact that being connected to God is, uh, there is that sense of coherence. And we have the ability with our thought adjuster to turn away from whatever is going on in the world. Bring that harmony back. Bring that delight back like you spoke about with reading the Urantia book. Have that spiritual contemplation that reminds us there's this higher reality and yeah i i love what you said that you had this feeling that you had this feeling that the that the book gave you that is such a gift we have that and that tells us this is true this yeah. is real well let, let you know, me read that- let me share this with you it's paper 107 it starts this way and just let the words sort of sink in the adjusters are the actuality of the father's love incarnate in the souls of men They are the veritable promise of man's eternal career imprisoned within the mortal mind. They are the essence of man's perfected finality personality, which he can foretaste in time as he progressively masters the divine technique of achieving the living of the Father's will step by step through the ascension of universe upon universe until he actually attains the divine presence of the Paradise Father. You know, my goodness. I mean, those words, they just – that so much is contained in, in one paragraph that – and it's it's – that actually makes me feel like I'm in contact with my adjuster. But let me ask you mm-hmm. something, because I think I'm on to something, and I've never had the opportunity to ask a professional psychologist before. 
when I was a young kid, I would have these personal conversations with with what I nicknamed my PB, my perfected being. And it was oh, like, I love it. Right? And I was and, I, and this was my my, you know, playmate. I think a lot of people do that when they're young and they grow out of it. And they don't realize mm-hmm. that that's really the beginnings of of their their soul connecting with their spirit, which is the fragment thought adjuster. Was I mm-hmm. onto something mm-hmm. and do people do people do that, you think? Maybe they grow out of it. They they don't think it's real. Isn't that interesting? Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. And I love that you had a name for it uh, like that. And you knew. You knew it was your perfected being. I, the thing is, as we grow older, I think we're, you know, we're closest to this reality when we're young. Yeah. But as we grow older and we start to take on the baggage of the world, see ourselves as small and incapable and disconnected, then we lose touch with that reality. But it's there when we don't know enough, when we don't know as much about defeat and disappointment and all of those things, and we just have brand new eyes and we see the world with innocence. Yeah. Yeah. Now, from a Another standpoint, there's the default mode network that in the brain that is filtering experiences from the world. When you're in a meditative state, an altered state, of course, psychedelics do this as well, this default mode network that's constantly filtering the world around you goes offline. When that goes offline, other parts of your brain become interconnected. And when those other parts of your brain are more interconnected during an altered meditative state, then you're able to perceive a greater reality. Now, this would be overwhelming during the day if you were all this information was coming to you because you wouldn't be able to drive your car, you know, do pragmatic things. So it's a it's a gift that we have this default mode network, which is equivalent to the concept of ego, right? But that default mode network is not giving us the exact reality. If you've heard the concept of the map is not the territory, mm-hmm. it's not, you know, 10 people can watch a car accident and have a completely different view of what happened. We're always filtering the external reality. There is no objective reality. And this goes along with what some of the hidden or some of the physics tells us too. Mm -hmm. There is not an objective reality. There is only the subjectiveness that you bring to it. Your default mode network over time filters the world for you based on your beliefs of what's possible, based on your beliefs about the, you know, the world as around you based on your past experiences, based on a whole myriad of things that become what you call you, your story, what heals people when they go through this altered state through with these plant medicines, what heals them is that they drop their narrative for a temporary moment. When we drop that narrative about who we are, and I think this is what the thought adjuster is trying to help us do, Right. When we drop out of that, okay. well, I've always been anxious. I've always been someone who is not very dependable, you know, whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. When we drop that narrative for a moment, what you're talking about, this beautiful experience that an innocent little child has. This is my perfected being. 
you're not filtering the world through all of this hazy glass anymore. Your filter, the glass is clean. You can see these things more clearly. And so we grow up and we forget and we feel isolated and we feel dejected and we feel hopeless. Well, the path is to re-remember who we are so that as it says in the Arantia book, in our ascension career, we get to the point where we feast on disappointment or, you know, uncertainty and disappointment and defeat. Those things no longer shape us because our faith and our knowingness is so solid that we don't get, we, we're not like a ship in the sea getting, you know, thrown around by the waves of whatever is going mm-hmm. on around us. Yeah. We can go forward uh, because we're living internally and little kids just have that innate ability because they're not taking on all the all the mm-hmm. outside world. They're just living more in, you know, from the, they don't have as much baggage yet, really. Yeah, it's a shame that we can't retain that childlike trust. But the mechanism of the mind is what fascinates me, Jenny, is what is the mind doing? What is it seeking? What is it looking for inside of our head? And and and, mm-hmm. and that's where I think the thought adjuster is trying so hard because the thought adjuster is the fragment of perfection. It's yes. right. It's it's mm-hmm. giving us a pattern, it's giving us a way, but it also shares with us in the experience of what we're going through in our life. It's taking our living experiences and spiritualizing them so that they can serve us in the next next life. I I'm I think if I'm reading it right. Uh but does that sound pretty right to you? You know, I don't have the answers, but I, I love what you're saying. I don't know what right is. You know, yeah, I don't yeah. know what well, right you is. Know, back right? to the subjective but, part. But, yeah. but, but what I will say, what's fascinated me recently is, well, first of all, as I said in my presentation, you can measure the energy around the body, which is directly linked to whatever emotion that you intensely are feeling. You can measure the field around your body of invisible energy by a particular technology that was developed in Russia called gas discharge visualization. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about things like people have an aura, what is that made up of? Your thought, your, your emotion. So if we are in fear or anger, you could be hooked up or you could you know, uh, be measured by this particular technology, and your your field around your body is going to shrink, right? Yeah. Now think about this in terms of accessing higher dimensions. So we are in a sea of God all the time, right? Yeah. But we don't know it because our vibration, our energy we're giving off is up too low of a frequency. So if we are in fear, we're not, we're, we're going to like, God, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? So this is why I see spiritual contemplation as so important, because when you turn away from whatever is bothering you and you allow your adjuster to work with you and you contemplate the spirit, you are actually, from a physics standpoint, making yourself more available to the Father because you're extending the field of your own body that extends 
to in one of the things I talked about in my presentation was some a, a chart from a physicist again in Russia mm-hmm. who talked about actually the very top of the of reality is the absolute. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that goes along with the CIA paper that I oh, that's also right. that's talked was part about. Of your the symposium. very top of reality yeah. is absolute. Mm-hmm. Now, we're, if we're just stuck in matter, if we're just stuck in our, you know, being, oh, I'm just separate, I'm just human, then we un- we're so far from the, the necessary vibration to be able to access that. But when we start to spiritually contemplate, move into a feeling of love, we actually activate the biophotons, the light within our body, the torsion frequency that is in our body. Thought creates torsion, emotion creates torsion. And though the electromagnetic frequency, the light, and also the torsion waves create your aura. And in the physical vacuum, it's these it's this torsional energy that is a couple layers below the absolute but all of this connects so we have control over this what i'm also interested in is so there has been science to show that the concept of auras can be measured excuse me chakras contribute mm-hmm. to the aura and they have the different electrical signatures. They've actually been measured. There's a scientist called Valerie Hunt that actually measured that the different electrical expressions of the different auras, them being specific areas of concentration of energy. The idea being they're receiving energy from the outside, from these higher dimensions. If you're in a state of fear, they're going to be closed off and not allow you to. Now, uh, to receive that energy, and I believe they work in conjunction with the thought adjuster because you can think of the um, seven chakras as relating to the adjunct mind spirit. Right, right. right? I was going to say that. And you can also think of them in relation to the races in the Arantia book. So you hear of the race being a very uh, high level of race called the violet race. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the highest crown chakra. Right? Yeah. That's so where we get our legends of halos in, when, and things of that? that. That's where we get the legends of halos because Adam and Eve had a, what you would say, a chakra. They, they glowed. <laughs> For and luck. it's not, it's, yeah, but it's not even a legend because if I, if, if we took a, a Karelian photograph of you, you would have mm. that. It's, it's not just a halo above your head, it's all around your body. It's, it's this field that you're emanating and if you sit and you you know experience the presence of God's love and you really sit with that for a time we would if we measured you before and after you'd have a brighter um, light that's emitting from you this this is scientifically measured phenomena so you know it's not interestingly enough it's not taught in, in traditional mainstream colleges and universities because if it did, it would it would change things. It would change pharmaceuticals. We're not just biochemistry. Yes, that's there, but it's not just that. It would change uh, how we deal with people in terms of mental health. It would change everything. It would it would revolutionize society and also empower people because we would realize that we are not just material beings. We are extra physical, but we are not told this. And there needs to be a certain level of 
acceptance about who we are before we can activate these potentials. You know, so when we think about the violet race, we think about a group of people that were more aware of their spiritual nature and were living it. So when we think about the yeah. red race, we think about people that are you know, not uh, as aware of their spiritual nature. So when we think about going into light and life in the future, it's not about your skin color. No. It's about how spiritually evolved you are and everyone has that potential. You, it's what you said at the very beginning is every single person, uh, ha, uh, conscious or otherwise, has that divine spirit in them. And they don't mm-hmm. even recognize it themselves. I often wonder if I'm detecting, like I can, if I walk by a complete stranger, if I'm in the room with someone and I can feel the vibrations, you know, the old song, you know, good vibrations, right? And you can feel sometimes, you don't know why you feel it, but you're feeling like this sort of negative energy and that's the only way I, that's about as close as, as I'll get to metaphysics but based on what you're saying Jenny there there's a reason for that and the reason is we're all emitting energy whether we know it or not we're electromagnetic creatures our body is energy our mind uses energy we are tapped into the ultimate energy source which is the the fragment of god that's in us and so all of this conspires where you know we are we are who we are. Uh, our attitude is everything. Um, that sounds well, good to this me. Well, this is the thing. You know how it says in the Arantia book that your first moral choice, you get your thought adjuster? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the role of consciousness. Yeah. So we are not just, you know, put here on earth and you can't really do anything affect your future, right? You just have to kind of deal with whatever lot, you know, whatever you are dealing with it, you know, just do your best. You Mm -hmm. can't really change your destiny. Well, what we know in terms of how the science that I talked about in my presentation, it's the role of consciousness that can affect these things. We can affect our field. Uh, And yes, walking into a room, and I, I think anybody who is not feeling numb in their body and actually is present in their physical uh, being has had that experience you walk into room you're feeling great and you feel like there's a dark cloud in the room Mm -hmm. it's just just people are really uh not happy and you don't even necessarily know it from their faces you can just feel it well heart math has done some good work on this they haven't really looked at the, the physics side of it but they're just looking at the electromagnetic energy it's also the torsion but they've looked at the electromagnetic energy of this and they show how the electro the heart gives off electromagnetic energy eight feet beyond the body and they show how when you are for instance interacting with a pet in a loving way the Mm. pet is that their field is interacting with your field right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and if yeah so it is it important for us to be aware of those things and when you realize that we're all connected by this field i mean this sounds a little bizarre but not every thought you think is directly from you if you're an empathetic person you can even pick up on other people's thoughts sure it happens with why, me and my wife all the time yeah go ahead yeah no i mean i hear you it happens yeah. between uh, uh, companions uh they're in syncopat or what's that syncata simpatico that's uh yep in sync you know, uh, absolutely. I'm, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. It's it's very exciting. Um, 
but l- let me, before we run out of time, I want to just ask you, wh- how did you get involved in the Arantia book and how did it come into your life? Are you a second generation reader? Did somebody introduce it to you? Uh, what convinced you uh, that it was, it was a great book for you to have in your life? Well, I probably got attuned to the Jesus section first. It's been a long time. It was back in 1995 when I came across it. I grew up in Catholic school. Catholicism, I, I respected the, you know, the service and all of that, but it just never gave me an experience of God. I felt an experience of God when I was in nature and going through some struggles early on in my life. It was my connection with God that really brought me through that, and I felt the personal connection with God. When I found the Urantia book, the thing that actually was so exciting for me, the, the Jesus papers gave me a, a sense of resonance with it, but what was so exciting to me after I had actually been on a bit of a quest to find a spiritual home and I hadn't found a spiritual home, what I loved about the Urantia book is it gave me a larger view of the world than I had got, I had got anywhere else. That were, were this small little earth in this magnificent, enormous, amazing, um, beyond what you can even imagine, uh, cosmos Mm -hmm. and um it reflected what i innately felt like you can't put god in a box like it's just too much right (laughs) so um i i loved the book because it expanded my mind and and it's something that will continue to do so for the rest of my life yeah uh, no kidding i love the third part of the book because it really answers a lot of questions about you know why we're having a lot of the struggles that we have today, and what we what we have to look forward to uh, once we get through this this current age. Um, uh, any other thoughts about uh, your studies and your research that you think would be interesting to the uh, Urantia book reader? Uh, anything that you're involved with now that's new? That I don't mean to put you on the spot, but uh, anything that you're involved with or or, or doing uh, in your field? Well, uh, you know, just to kind of recap, I, I do feel it's it's a time of uh, great opportunity for us as Urantia people to really find ways to bring these teachings to more people because people are searching. Oh, my gosh, people are searching for spirituality like no other time, I believe. And it's it's almost like when there's such crisis, when there's so much coming at us, we feel like we have to look, even if we haven't been accustomed to looking for a spiritual connection, it becomes almost a necessity because of your human self, it's too much to cope with what's going on in the world. So looking to a spiritual connection and, you know, so you, I was just going to say, sometimes people have said, well, maybe the Rancher book can't appeal to everyone because some of the things in it, maybe some people would take offense at. But when you look through spiritual lens yeah, and you realize things like the colors that are – so can I just – I'll say one thing about that uh, yeah. in terms of the colors within you and the colors of the races. Yeah. So when you take white light and you put it through a prism – yeah. It separates out into all of these particular colors that are in your 
that are associated in your body. Yeah. They have different way, different electromagnetic. They represent a different wavelength on the electromagnetic spectrum, and that represents a different level of of attainment, a different vibration, right? Yeah. So there is a beautiful, beautiful harmony and and science to it, and it gives us a window into the world of. The book is deeply spiritual, and I, I know that there is talk. To, there is there is a discussion about different um, particular uh, cultures and so forth. But I, I I've come to see it as a an invitation to the future of how we can work with our thoughts, work with our intention, work with our thought adjuster ultimately. Yeah. And really attune ourselves to this higher vibration. And if we do, then we can access the, these higher realms. And it's not that we're not going to go through struggles. We're going to be going through struggles. That's what it, we're here. Yeah. It's part of our journey. But we're going through it equipped with the knowledge that it's not going to defeat us in a permanent way. And uh, what a beautiful gift. Oh, no kidding. And and being the experimental world that we are, we get to be part of the, the big experiment on 606. Uh, and we'll be able to tell our story and we'll be sought after and people will come up to us in a future life and say, oh, so you're from the world of the cross. Man, I heard that was a pretty bad place. How did you how did you get through it? I mean, I'm looking forward to those days, you know, so. Um, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> So what's it like living in Seattle? Isn't it like uh, the atheist capital of the world? <laughs> I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Uh. Um, it is secular. There is the. Here's an interesting thing. I was, you know, I, I was just talking to someone the other day, a, a, a client, and we were talking about spirituality. She understands spirituality, but her husband doesn't, and uh, the the opinion was. Uh, spirituality and religion are for unintelligent people. Yeah, that's so the, people. That's... That, pe- yeah, people that need to be told what to do. And p- unfortunately, some people are lumping spirituality and religion into the same thing. It's but this not. is the Arantia book offers such a hope because here is an opportunity to appeal to people that want something intellectual to chew on and can really uh, uh, accept. That okay, there's real science here, and you know, yeah, it's a hard one. I think you know, uh, Jesus, uh, one of the apostles said basically what you just said. Hey, Jesus, some of the people are saying that religion is for stupid, weak people, and Jesus said, "Do I look stupid? (laughs) Do I look weak?" Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I, I guess the answer is, you know, yeah, that's because the religion you've been given has been secondhand. You've been given somebody's interpretation of why they believe in something, but you haven't had that experience yourself. And I totally get it. I totally understand. But don't you sometimes feel like there's something missing, like there's a mystery that you haven't solved yet? That's that's the first step. So, um, But it sure has been a, a real pleasure speaking with you. And, you know, are you going to be a part of these other – Are you? do you go to the conventions? Do you see the excitement? I guess these days nobody goes anywhere, but – uh, have you been able to go out and are you a part of a, your ranch community there in Seattle? Do you have readers or uh, any study groups there? 
Yes, we do have study groups. Sweet. We've been meeting for nice. a, a number of years. Unfortunately, it's through Zoom now. Yeah. I have enjoyed going to conferences in the past. The last international conference I was at was in Colombia. Uh, wow. I've gone to one in Quebec. And uh, so I've really enjoyed meeting readers from other parts of the world. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I think the last few years, the Arantia book has really started to take off. Have you noticed? I mean, there always were websites and newsletters and, uh, you know, you had your different groups. But it seems like every group now has so much going on. There's events almost every week. There's Zoom, like you say, Zoom events. And uh, I think last weekend they had a live streaming event, which I got a chance to catch. So I'm getting the feeling that we're not at quite a critical mass, but we're almost on the map. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we're almost yeah. there. I'm, I'm not going to get impatient now. I don't, you know, I'm not holding my breath. But I think talking to people like you, uh, Philip Calabri, some others, really smart people. And and, uh, and and they have their heads screwed on tight. And they like the Arantia book. And I think that's what gives the Arantia book credibility. Like Mo Siegel says, one of my favorite, uh, the Arantia book is a very smart approach to religion. Because it, it does synthesize... Uh, science and philosophy uh, with faith, mm-hmm. and I think that's what we need. Is those three things are the are the are the the stools? Well, it's basically the Trinity: mind, matter, and spirit. You know, they're they're all necessary parts of reality, and our bodies are our life. We have a body, which is matter. We have a mind, and then we have the spirit. And the spirit is what we need to be working on right now. I think. I think that'll solve a lot of our problems. But in the meantime, I 100% yeah. agree. Oh, sorry, mm-hmm. I 100% agree. Yeah. Well, I hope you'll uh, share share my podcast with some of your friends, and uh, if you have people that are involved with projects, you know, let them know that I'd love to chat with them, and I hope that we have another opportunity to chat again. So. Wonderful. Well, yeah. thank you so much. This is a fantastic opportunity to share your podcast. is is such a important vehicle to bring the book to more people i think so So thank you for doing it and thank you for for yeah for your symposium presentation just real good food for thought and i i wish you the best and hopefully we can talk again wonderful thanks so much and once again we want to thank dr jenny martin for joining us on this edition of the ranch radio podcast i hope you enjoyed it very thought-provoking and don't forget to join us online, our urantiaradio.net, new articles being posted every day, and future podcasts every week. Uh, if you want to reach out and have comments or questions, my email address, urantiabookradio at gmail.com. Again, thanks for stopping by. Oh.